0: So hello everybody, welcome back to Folk on Falcons, I'm Philip Mundy and joining me is Ian Joseph As always, we'll discuss the Newcastle Falcons fixture of the weekend against Glasgow um, Look ahead to next week's match against London Irish, have a quick chat about some comings and goings and General Rugby Chit Chat. Um, as always, you can find us on social media.
1: Yeah, so on Facebook, uh, if you type in folk or Vulcans, you'll see our picture. And then on Twitter, it's the same, but instead it's at Focal or and you'll see our picture as well.
0: Yeah, so um, I wanted to be in a good mood and make lots of good puns about Nick Easter and Colin Chick for, for Easter, but unfortunately, I'm not in a good mood because the match was actually dire, ruined good Friday evening, and I'm furious still and it's now Easter Sunday. So, um, no other place to start, really, other than the game or lack of it, because after the first five minutes, there was absolutely nothing that was ever going to salvage 12 points against that Glasgow team, who were by far and away better than us for the entire evening.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we always knew it would be very difficult. Um, Glasgow a very good side, loaded with a lot of very good players, um, full of Scottish internationals, But yeah, and obviously that's something that we can't control, but... At the same time you know we can control how we play and you know our attitude when we turn up on, on the pitch and we're just completely outmatch that play straight from the off um you know glasgow short attack rugby, which we just never see which you know it's quick it's dynamic good passing through the hands you know kind of playing on the edge always looking like like you're gonna make a break and it was really really dynamic and it's just completely opposite of what we do and just weren't ready for it or weren't able to defend against it it's just cut to ribbons from the offering and from that point on it was always an uphill battle which they we're never going to really kind of surmount in the end. Didn't start off
0: well. We caught a kickoff or received a kickoff, and then the next time we touched the ball I think was Brocklebank knocking it on when he tried to go for an intercept and they scored. And then we kicked off um, got a line-out lost our own line-out ball they ran the length of the pitch and scored. So I think we touched the ball four times both of which or all the times were not passing it it was just touches of it and we're 12-0 down within five minutes and that's such a big margin to come back from against a good opposition. And we slowly got footholds in the game, but it was always a case of chasing it, and Glasgow just kept the scoreboard ticking over. You could think of all the words like lacklustre, sluggish, all that sort of words described, but they were just better than us, and it was really, really poor once again. We we needed to kick up the backside after the the last qualifier, and it didn't come. It was just the same again, and like you say, you normally get the copy and paste remarks from Dean Richards, which there was a bit of after the game, with the um, talking about the references didn't go away for a certain bit, but it wasn't just that. In his comments, he said things like, in the warrants, he could tell it was going to be a tough evening because Glasgow seemed to for it and we didn't. And you think, come on, well, if you're up in the stands with Dave Walder looking down at that and assessing that at that point, get out of the stands, go down to the pitch and give them a rollicking. Obviously, it didn't happen. We were
1: sluggish from the start and got well beaten. I mean, also with the with Richard's comments as well, you know, say, oh, well, Glasgow had a refresher, wasn't it? Something like that. And, um, you know, had an extra week to recover, whatever it was, which, oh, fair enough, you know, yes, in know, extra few days, I'm sure will help physically. But I refuse to believe that as a top flight pressure rugby player, even after only six days rest, you suddenly lose the ability to catch the ball, to pass it, to, put the ball down on the try line you know, the absolute sort of basics of playing rugby. Um, so I think that's sort of, again, you know, these sort of excuses only really go so far. And as you say, it was just completely sort of outplayed. And I sort of didn't necessarily things, that's hard to really tell, but it was just, I mean, it's just the ability of some of the players on the day and just how they, how they were prepared for the match, really. Um, like you say, they had the warning sign against Zebra, the other week and you knew that if we were going to beat Glasgow we had to improve that performance about 10 times and it was always sort of just a continuation maybe really from that. Um, in the end the scoreline was pretty flattering. I mean, you're right Glasgow sort of kept chipping. Scoreboard over once they got a big lead, and we kind of tried to reel it in, but at the same time they kept chipping away, making kind of keeping that 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 lead. And I think in the end the score was a bit flattering, to be honest. Um, I think we were way way behind than rather than a, a ten point deficit would suggest. Yeah, you mentioned the errors there.
0: Um, it wasn't just the catching and passing; it was set pieces were unusually bad as well. Our lineouts were were getting the ball pinched at every opportunity by Glasgow, and um, we didn't really change it. We didn't go short. We didn't start tumbling around. They just kept trying to win Lions by throwing it to the same place and they kept pinching it from us. Scrum's kind of alright, there's a couple of unfortunate penalties maybe given away, but even so, it wasn't our usual dominance that we've had a lot of the time, especially in this competition. And you, you look at it and think, whereabouts on the pitch were we actually better than Glasgow? And I can't think of one, hence us losing. And I think we were incredibly lucky to only keep the, the difference to 10 points, to be honest, because uh, at times in that game, I thought this is going to get away from us here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the only sort of positive is that they did kind of keep at it and they did, you know, get tries and they get points to so kind of real Glasgow in. But, you know, it's usual sort of Falcon stuff. We, we give points away very easily, you know, usually poor discipline or, or just unforced errors you know the point you make about the set piece of line in particular that was probably worth several points and yeah it's it's just it's just the same old same old isn't it um, and you would have thought that they would have had a real go at this because I genuinely thought looking at the side of the draw we were on Glasgow were probably was the hardest team in it in that side of the draw and I thought if we beat Glasgow we would have had a really really good chance of getting to the final actually and yes one way would have been very tough but I think Glasgow actually better than Leon. Um and you know once in a semi-final and who knows um, and I don't look at seedings. We could have had a home one as well, the home semi-final potentially. So, a real, real chance blown. Um, and you just sort of—it's—it's it's almost sort of what you know. All those what ifs. Yes, Glasgow were a very good side, but you know, I think if you know, it's easy to say, "Oh, if we played better." But if we had played better, you know, if we had played through the a level which we know which potentially we could have played. We could have made a real match out of that and we could have got through and I think we could have had a really, really good shot at the final and it's just just really disappointing for Australia to have a season where that opportunity is gone, really.
0: Yeah, and we're now at the point of the season where there's actually basically no point in us playing rugby anymore because we're out of the Cups. The league position, we're not going to make the Heineken Cup next year, so we just have to not finish bottom, which is hardly something to aim for. And I'm just thoroughly disenfranchised at the minute. You watch the games every week and hope it's going to get better and there's something to cling on to. And what we we cling on to? We're we'll cling on to hopefully a European run and trip to France because we would have had Leon in the next round. That would have been a good away trip. And now there's nothing. And you and I, we do this podcast. We do a couple of hours recording it. I spend three or four hours editing it, try and get it out every week. And I used to enjoy it. And now I'm just thinking, oh God, why do I support this club? It feels like I was supporting Newcastle United about seven or eight years ago when we pitched the Mike ashley and there's no no future in sight but i guess the one consolation is there might be a bit of future insight because um i've i've, I've been reticent to let rip on the coaching and all that for the for the course of the season because um i feel that it's not terribly constructive at mid-season to start cornfield's heads but now there's not much to go for i'm not going to call for heads but i'm just going to say what seems to be happening we've got an attack unit where the the idea seems to be Well, the forwards are more letting more score or we'll give it to Radwan and hope that he pulls a rabbit out of a hat. And once again, that was very evident at the weekend. Glasgow matches to them all and they marked Radwan well. I think teams have actually worked out how to defend against Radwan, especially if it's just a case of give the ball to the fastest runner, which is kind of under five sort of rugby sort of tactics. And it didn't work, but Radwan tried hard, but he needs the space on the outside, not trying to work miracles. So that's, Dave Walder's that apparently the head coach and head of attack. So Dave Walder thinks of some new ideas because at the minute it's rubbish. Defence coach is Nick Easter. Start of last year, especially at start of his contract, we look very good in defence, but it seems that our tactics haven't really evolved much since then. Potentially even got worse. Um, teams just go around the outside, which is a simple loop gets around us. Everyone on the sidelines can see it. Why can't you? We're not that bad players-wise. Surely there's some simple tactics that need to be amended to sort that out. So that, that that's my view on that one. We're getting cut to ribbons. Something needs to give there. It's also now been apparently rumoured that, or it, it is being rumoured that Nick East has been allowed to leave at the end of the season, um, should he want to. And if I'm perfectly honest, I can't see the any reason for him to stay. He's not doing a good job as far as I'm concerned at the minute. Um, Lineouts have generally been okay, actually. So we'll let Scott McLeod off from the, the grand the grand scale of things but um this week the line-ups were poor and we didn't really have a plan b scrumming well mickey ward never gets anything wrong so still perfect or just about perfect but i think that's the, one of the few areas where we can actually hold our heads and be pleased with things and then the overall setup obviously we've got richards at the helm and there are now rumors semi-confirmed that he's going to be stepping to one side as director of rugby and going into a consultancy sort of role at the club who knows what that'll be it could be along the lines of Mick Hogan who's obviously moved on in the season or it could be something, something else who knows but I think that let's be honest we need to get some new ideas in and a complete overhaul of a lot of the coaching staff or certainly a, a rocket up the ones that remain um, because it's the same week in week out these years without relegation are a chance to improve or work work things out try new things and we're just rubbish at the minute, we're losing good players. Um, we'll touch upon a couple of comings and goings a bit later on. But things like Will Haydenwood wanting to him to move on. Um, there's been some criticism by certain parts but when you look at it, you can't blame him. He's a club where he'll be treading water at best if he was to remain. He's not going to be playing good level rugby in Europe. He's barely getting started until the last few weeks this season. And the quality he's got, he, he deserves better. And he's only going to get what he deserves if there's a serious change in style of rugby at the falcons we bring in some absolute world superstars which we know isn't going to happen or he leaves and goes elsewhere so the grass is greener and you can't blame these people for moving on but i I just worry about the the long-term strategy of the club if if we remain with the current framework because it's not it's not working yes you can have a, a club that turn up and lose every week but What's the point in that? We want a club that's going to win.
1: Yeah, well, something I've touched on a few months ago now, where I mean, we talk about the ambition of the club. That, I think, that's a real criticism. Um, we all know, well, not just problems the club's face, the club faces, but you know the reasons why it's out, it's hamstrung, sort of arguably outside of its control. But I don't think everyone will have a bit of ambition. And the club just doesn't seem to have that. And it's something I mentioned when I listened to sort of Seymour interviews a few months ago, and it just wasn't inspiring at all. I mean, it, you know, talk can be cheap in the sense of, you know, you can use it to kind of inspire people and it doesn't cost anything to do that. You know, you, you could have used platforms like, <clears throat> excuse me, the podcast I listen to to say, oh yeah, no, we, we're really ambitious in a, B, C. Whether we achieve that is a different matter, but you can at least have that ambition and that will rub off at all levels of the club. And it just doesn't seem to be at the moment. It does just seem to be the fact that it's the same every week, the same every year. And there just seems to be a resignation. Um, and it was on BBC Radio Newcastle, actually. Again, this sort of sums it up. Before the Northampton Cup game a few weeks ago, where they had uh, a chap from the supporters' club came on and um, was saying, you know, kind of rattled off the same points as why why the Falcons are struggling in terms of you know finances and it's not a popular rugby area. And I said then actually I disagreed with a lot of what he thought, what what he said rather, what was said for, in that you know if we don't break this cycle of se- this self-defeating cycle, the self not loathing, but this negative cycle of, oh, we Newcastle, Newcastle. Well, we're never going to be a top club. Oh, we're never going to have a base. It's never going to be a big rugby. Which I do, which I believe is wrong. If you look at the amateur scene in Northumberland, the Northeast, it's thriving. It's huge. It's just my point, the fact that, you know, if you have a team of, say, a squad of 25 on a match day playing senior rugby, adult rugby, I would say no more than 10% of that team will go and actually watch the fall because that's a problem it's not there's a lack of interest in the sport so I disagree that entirely yes you have football is always more popular but you know, it's all relative. There's still of a, a big, strong rugby support base in the North East, but it is, that's just one element of it. it. It's a self-defeating and and the negative aspects of, oh yeah, well, we can't do win Newcastle, we can't do anything about it because of A, B and C. Well, if we're going to just be like that, then you'd make a good point. What is the point of, of it all? Because it's just, gonna you know, do we want the same thing every season? Just kind of Either if there is relegation, fighting against relegation, being in a relegation playoff every season, or if there is no relegation, just finishing bottom or second bottom from every season what's the point what's the point professional club if that's what you're going to be doing and it it does raise unfortunately really uncomfortable upsetting and and serious questions about the future of the club we just have to hope that there are some changes potentially of the horizon which can kind of jumpstart the club a bit and kind of get us going a bit forward once for a change
0: Yeah and um, there used to be that you go to see the Falcons and you'd see some excellent rugby and you'd go away thinking that was a good fun afternoon well spent now it feels like a chore sometimes to traipse down or turn the tv on and watch them and i'm going to say what I've, I've heard in the past like my father used to prefer watching me play than the falcons at times and sometimes if you go down and watch amateur rugby at not even your annex and your tyndale sort of level if you just go down to your dnn 2 side and watch a good competitive game of rugby quite often you find it just as enjoyable if not more enjoyable than going to the falcons and that is a big problem and what can they do about that there were things like at half time that this week, they had some idiots running around on the pitch. And beforehand, they had some silliness in the, the West End. And that's the sort of thing that you need to have to make it a little bit different and a bit of fun. But that's too little too late, in a way. It's the end of the season, and it's all winding down. And we're, we're starting to do things like that now. And the, the attendance was very poor, once again. It was only £10 to get in. And yes, they do the advertising through social media channels. But nobody I spoke to knew it was only a £10 entry, because they don't really follow the Falcons that much on social media, etc. So you've got to think about, they used to be radio adverts or get some billboards stuck up at metro stations or something there's got to be something to get bums on seats to get the revenue in to make things better because at the minute i can just see it on a downward spiral and it'll be very interesting the next few games of the season apart from season ticket holders how many tickets are actually sold per game because i've got a hunch it's going to be in the low hundreds of people that actually voluntarily buy a ticket for these last few games
1: well i mean it's all very well having people you know, fans running around the pitch at half time. If the players aren't going do much running around during the match, then you know, that's not gonna that's not gonna get people particularly excited or, or supporting the club. I mean, look, we're we're obviously two people. I'm sure many of our listeners are people who would support the club through thick and thin you know even if we were a sort of london welsh position you know obviously we'll be out there every week sort of supporting the club um but you're right if you're not sort of absolute diehard fans like we are you know w- what is the reason to go and watch you know if, especially if you if you are interested in rugby and you're sort of our age you know talking sort of 20s 30s it's my point of made before. You're going to quite likely you're going to be playing. Would you rather play with your, you know, play with your mates at your local club and everything, all the fun and games associated, you know, with playing with your, your, your mates on a Saturday afternoon, or would you go and pay potentially some quite expensive prices to go watch the Falcons be absolutely crap? You know every other week and for a lot of people that's a really easy decision I mean people like us are the minority in that we're diehard fans and we'll support for and we'll we'll go to most matches if we or all matches and we'll watch for matches if we can and that's why you see low crowds because we are you know us people like us as loonies are the minority and you're not gonna you're not gonna get more bums on seats unless the team's better um I think in terms of, sort of advertising the game um I, I mean I, I get the fact that obviously it's very 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 short notice and you know it's very difficult to kind of produce a lot of material such short notice um but i think you're right in terms of a lot of people wouldn't necessarily have known the game was on particularly or they wouldn't have realized that there was a european game so close after the last european game um they wouldn't necessarily know the tickets are only £10 because normally they'd say £30 or whatever. So maybe to review a sort of club's ticketing policy, or well, as you say, maybe advertising more, on generally more on your local radios or that sort of thing, or billboards, kind of get the message out, or have, uh, have it more regularly at a particular price because that will then set the fact... Saw so more casual fans' expectations are, oh, yeah, it only costs X amount normally to go to the Falcons rather than, oh, well, it normally costs, you know, quite, it's only quite expensive. So, and they're not very good. It's like there's someone at work who has been, who went to their first game a few weeks ago. And it was a game, um, oh, it's all the European games anyway. And they quite enjoyed it, even though, you know, we weren't great, but they quite enjoyed it. And said so they'll go back again. But it's very expensive. And they're not sure if it's worth it especially being a casual supporter, for the price. I think that is that is an issue. That's something they kind of have to address. I mean, going out on a Friday night and having a few pints, you know, one of the, the bars and watching rugby only goes, you know, only has so much value in the end. And I think that is something that they have to look at. And it's just, unfortunately, kind of one of the many issues facing the club in the immediate term at the moment.
0: If we, if we go into rugby, it's actually enjoyable to watch then i find that quite often the follow up game or the second game of the weekend is like those the academy or the a team as they call it the other week where it was the good performance against Harriet. um you get other ones um, like the rugby league is there and then next week um need to plug the england students versus the french students will be on at kingston park before the london irish game so um if anyone wants to watch a game that you might actually win, then get yourself down to that one because it's probably one of these affairs where you see some upcoming players coming through and then you'll be able to then watch the Falcons get thrashed by London Irish after it. So, But players like Hammersley, I remember James Hallamay was a prop who played a couple of times for us. Um, but These are the sorts of players that come through against or come through the England student setup, and a lot of them go on to Premiership rugby after it. I think Josh Beaumont, who's now at Sale, played England Students. These are the it's the generation of players that go to university, obviously want an education, something to fall back on, and there's some very good talent on show, and it'd be well worth getting done, seeing what there is, and also it's always nice to beat the French, and hopefully we can do that. So next week against London Irish, do you hold out much hope?
1: No, not really. Um, I mean, London Irish are actually doing really well at the moment. They're getting good results in the league. They got a really good la- um, the other night. Um, so sort obviously of they're through to the next round of the, of the challenge. Cup. Uh, it might be a pretty long day. Um, you know, if we do perform a bit better, then, you know, I think maybe we can potentially get something from the game in terms of losing bonus points. Um, I mean, the thing with London Irish is that they score a lot of tries and also concede a lot of tries, but that's against most other teams. So and there are points for us to get in that game, but I just can't see us keeping them out. I mean, I went to the reverse picture, the, the game at London Irish at Brentford Community Stadium. And we were. And I think that was sort of, you know, you have the various seasons over the years. and I always think kind of various moments where I think, you know, this is it, we're kind of sunk. Or, you know, this, this is this really kind of sums us up. Or, um, and... One of those games was the season we got relegated when we both went to the away game at Bristol, when we lost that the performance against Bristol and we were just promoted. You know, I kind of thought, well, that's it, we're down. I got that this season, which I haven't had for a couple, which I didn't even have last season, but this season, you know, Down Street was so bad and the way they just tore us to shreds. Um, I just thought, this, this is... This is where we are. You know, this is how far behind we are, really, in terms of how we play against some of the teams. And London Irish, I think, even at the time, yes, they were playing well, but they weren't absolutely brilliant, Um and we were just torn to pieces. Um And yeah, I, I do fear. I do really fear, actually, for next weekend. I think mean, we can get, could get quite messy. But at the same time, I think the the positive, as I said, is that they do concede actually quite a few points, and there will be points there for us if we're able to get them. And that's the question, really.
0: Yeah. So if we move away from things on the pitch, if we go to off the pitch. A couple of bits of good news about contract extensions. Connor Collett and Ewan Stevens have both signed extensions. I'm incredibly pleased with that because I still feel that there's... Collett should probably be starting, I feel, especially in certain games. I think he'd been very good against Glasgow because it was a very fast-paced game, that one, just gone. And he gets the breakdown soon. He gets his head stuck and he slows it down, creates a nuisance, wins penalties, and I'm very glad that he's signed an extension to his contract. And then the other one is Ewan Stevens' Um, he's obviously come back from his injury he sustained earlier in the season and um, even the few minutes he was on the pitch on Friday night, he, he once again looked very, very competent and um, he's hopefully going to be a player that is going to carve out his niche of the club. I'm sure whether it's going to be wing or fullback, but wherever it is, he's a live wire and I'm looking forward to seeing him scamper around for the next couple of years.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, both very positive pieces of news. Um, both of them thoroughly deserved contract extensions and I think it's a case obviously we're very pleased that they did decide to stay with us. Um, because I think they are gonna be big players in the next couple of years. Comet is very much established player this team. Um if he's not starting uh, as you say, maybe he should have started more. But if he's not starting, he's always on bench. He very often comes on now. Um, since this kind of breakthrough last season, he's going always on the up, never lets anyone down, ever. Stevens really good one for the future. I mean, unfortunately, you know, he did have that bad injury. Um, but prior to that, he looked absolutely brilliant. You know, he was scoring tries for the first team as well. He looked, he's always a threat with, with the ball in hand. And, you know, the, obviously, they're the type of players you want. So, again, absolutely brilliant that he has obviously just decided to stay with us, and he's more more than deserved, obviously, that contract extension. Yeah, and then there's
0: no one's been confirmed as moving on the la- in the last week, but there are rumours about Basham potentially moving to London Irish, from these ones where I believe it when I see it. One other thing on the people leaving, have you have you noticed that Will Hayden Wood wasn't here in the squad at the weekend, and Mike Brown hasn't been seen or heard of since Harlequins? It seems that, do they just get cast onto a pile of rejects when they announce their departures, or are they injured or... Something else, there's not much coming out of the club about it, but it's just one of these things that, as the casual observer, you think, Oh, well, where are they? Oh, I haven't seen them for a couple of weeks. Wait a second, I haven't seen them since X, Y, or Z. It's one of these things where is there something going on in the background? Is there is
1: there trouble behind the scenes? Who knows? I mean, maybe, I guess, case with Hayden Wood, it would be surprising if there was some sort of bad blood somewhere, and you know, maybe the, the departure was. Either came as a shock or you know it, it wasn't on the best terms, so maybe they just thought, Well, if you're not going to be worse next season, we're just stop. we we'll rather play people who are going to be next season, sorry, you know, sort of thing. So, you know, it's not, you know, doesn't take a great leap of imagination to work out that one, perhaps. The brown one, I think, is more, um, who knows if he's injured, I mean, he could be, but you're right, in that it's just. You know, it's just nothing from him at all since the Harlequins game. is it a, is it an element again of the you know oh well if you're not been playing us to rather play Penny to get the game time or other players to get to the give them game time? But you would have thought that you know you still want to win games, and the idea that you'd want your strongest squad, you would probably still you know you can argue this or that about his performances, but I think you'd still have him in the squad at least. Um, so that, that is a an odd one, but yeah, I mean, like a lot of things with the Falcons, I and mean, that's not necessarily that forthcoming about certain player issues behind the scenes. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll we'll see if my if, if either of them actually have any game towards the end of the season or if, if that's kind of it from both of them.
0: So, normally at this point in the podcast, we do a roundup of the weekend scores, but um, we're out of Europe, we would have ended up playing Leon because they beat Worcester, but I can't really be bothered with the rest. You've all got a BBC Sport app probably on your phone. So if you if you want to look at the other scores, look them up. And then the we're recording this on the morning of Easter Sunday, and the collation of the scores from the weekend hasn't come in yet. Probably people are taking a, a bit of time off. So can't even look at the uh, England rugby website to see all the local fixtures and results. So um once again, if you're interested in that, look it up yourself. Uh, the, the England rugby website is actually quite good, and you can scroll through it quite quickly. Um But yeah, they're normally out um on a Sunday or Monday, sometimes. But um yeah, can't really tell you the results this week. So if you've heard any rugby news or anything you'd like to touch on, do get in contact because we'd, we'd give it a shout out we'll try and mention it. So sorry we've been pretty miserable for, for Easter Sunday, but there we are. We can only get what we're given and we haven't been given much to talk about lately by the club. So cheerio. Happy Easter, everybody. And hopefully next week against an Irish, we've been able to improve things.
1: Bye, everyone.